I want you to go with me back over to Scripture, and uh, we'll look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. And when you get there, say, I'm there. I have one. Can I have two? I have two. Can I have three? <laughs> Verse 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. Anybody here expecting His coming? Yes. Look at this. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So if there's disobedience in our lives, we see from the Scripture there's also ignorance in our lives. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And that's pretty exhaustive, isn't it? If I say, in all that I do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We believe He's holy tonight. We've talked about how God in fact positions us to be holy, at the end of the day, it's our choice. Now, aren't you glad for the new birth? Yes. You see your hand if you're glad for the new birth. That being the case, you have right now the gift of righteousness. So there is a force on the inside of you that pushes you ever more towards living a consecrated holy life. But you have to make your mind up. You're going to yield to that force, to that influence, instead of everything else that is out there. So the new birth positions you to be holy. Righteousness positions you to be holy. A deliberate decision to consecrate yourself daily positions you to be holy. You should never just think, well, I was okay last week. There's no need to go through this again. No, you got to consecrate every part of your being every single day of your life. Because I'm telling you, the devil's not taking a day off. So you shouldn't take a day off in terms of your consecration towards the Lord. Just get up every morning and say, I consecrate my mind and my mouth and my ears. Amen. I consecrate my feet where they go. The things that I put my affection on, I consecrate myself unto the Lord. We understand that the Word of God is something that positions us to be holy. Scripture tells us, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy Word is what? Truth. The more you're in the Word of God, uh, the holier you're going to live if you yield to it. And there are some people that are professionals in terms of their knowledge of the Word, even the original languages. One of my instructors was uh, a Harvard graduate. When he was there getting his Master's in Theology, the instructor, the Greek instructor, had the entire New Testament in Greek memorized. Pretty impressive. So if you threw something out there, he knew exactly what it was. After class, they, he'd take everybody down for, uh, for beer and pretzels and sit there just and drink until he couldn't stand up anymore. In other words, all that knowledge never penetrated his heart and changed his life. So we're not talking about head knowledge here. We're talking about understanding Revelation knowledge, if it's just a book, if it's just history to you, if it's just another you know, book of wise sayings to you, um, then it's not going to do much for you. But if you see it for what it is, the Holy Word of God, given to us, amen, by the inspiration, God moved upon holy men as they wrote things down. You are looking at it in your lap today, what you have in your hand, the most authoritative, you know, book, the most authoritative, you know, collection of wisdom there is in the universe. You found it. Yes. You ought to be excited tonight. Amen. There are millions of people out there don't have a clue. And you're sitting here with the truth. Said, I have the truth. I have the truth. And so if you approach that word with great honor and respect and you read it and you make up your mind what I read I'm going to do, you will always be on an upward trajectory of walking the holiness of God. What will happen is it will literally separate you. I remember Brother Copeland talking about having a, a serious cigarette addiction, you know, three or four pack, I guess, a day. And, uh, I mean, he'd throw them out the window, going down the highway. I'm never touching those things again. Then drive right back and pick them up out of the ditch. Some of you know what that's like. That, that unction, that, that push to do something that the flesh wants to do. And so, um, Hilton Sutton, he actually came here years ago to do a seminar for us on the Holy Spirit over there in the domes. He's with Jesus now. But he, uh, Hilton had a three-week meeting down in the Houston area where uh, Tammy and Ben are from. And he just decided he put those little cigarettes up there in that visor, and he went to that meeting. Day one, day two, several meetings a day. So, I mean, several meetings a day, 
You'd yeah. be amazed what several meetings a day can do. Most, most speakers can't handle one meeting a month. <laughs> there he was, day in and day out. A week goes by, two weeks go by, three weeks go by, and he noticed I never touched those things. And he never wanted them again. I tell you, the word will separate you from things that don't belong in your life if you'll put it first in your life. Say it's first place, it's first place. and final authority. For those of you that are new to this ministry, first place means it's the first place you go to for counsel, not the last. And once the word is spoken on an issue, guess what? There's no more deliberation. There's no more conferring with human beings. Once you understand the intent of what God is trying to say, you hold on to that. And it will separate you from things. How many know it will set you away, you know, you'll separate you from a potty mouth, amen, or illicit thinking. Or a bad attitude, or some habit that you might have, that's the power of the Word of God. In other words, if you really want to be holy, you can't ignore the Word of God. Even if you're reading a paragraph a day, a few verses a day, and you meditate on that, it's going to move you in the right direction. Does that make sense? So don't get all legalistic about it. If I read 15 chapters, then I'll really be separated. No, you're probably bored because you won't have grasp of everything. It's, it's better for you to read a little and actually have some revelation of what you're reading yeah. than reading a lot and getting nothing out of that because you're just sitting there trying to do things in a natural way. I mean, the Holy Spirit will make you more holy. Yes. Aren't you glad that He tightens the screws? Yes. Amen. The Bible says, um, love your neighbor. Does it not say that? Sure it does. But... It, you know, the scripture didn't tell us specifically how we should love a neighbor in a specific instance, in a specific moment in time. But God may say something to you like, I want you to go over there and, and take care of the neighbor's yard work. You know, you're not going to find chapter and verse on yard work for your neighbor. <laughs> Are you here today? But you will, with the foundation of the Word of God and a relationship with the Holy Spirit, be able to hear that they need help. You say, well, everybody does that. Oh, no, they don't. But you heard from God, didn't you? Yes. And so what do you do? You do what He tells you to do. And the more you respond to the Spirit of God that way, the more you're going to hear Him, and the more you're going to act on what He tells you, and the more blessed you're going to be. Now that's true with commands and unctions and promptings. Say urgings, urgings. promptings, promptings. Directives. directives. We've got to get into the habit of picking up on those yeah. and then doing the things that He tells us to do. But not only will He direct you from moment by moment, He'll also begin to strip you of things if you'll let Him. Separate you from things that have no business in your life. But you have to listen to Him. And the standard is not less. The standard is actually higher. And He gives the details. He fills in the details of what God's trying to say about your life and my life. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't be uh, shying away from that. You should embrace that. Look at somebody and tell them the Holy Spirit is good for you. And uh, when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came in to live. When you got baptized in the Holy Ghost, it amplified everything. Now, I often will tell people, um, if you, and everybody should desire to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Say, that's me. Say, I desire it. I walk in it. But be aware of this. On the day you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, the more aware you're going to be of what you're not doing right. <laughs> That's it. There went my incentive, Pastor. <laughs> no, because if you listen to Him, you become even what? More separated. A lot of cool things will happen in your life as a result of that. So everybody say, thank God, thank God. for the Holy, Ghost. the Holy Ghost. The body of Christ has been given to you, literally, the church has been given to you to help sanctify you, to be encouraged. Iron sharpeneth iron. How many know that bad company corrupts good character? But everybody needs somebody speaking into their life. And what I find is when people start compromising, they withdraw from the church, and you say, why is that? Because they're put out with somebody else? Usually it's because they're under conviction. And quite frankly, you aggravate their compromising spirit. Just to walk in and see you serving God faithfully. That's a mistake. You don't want to pull away from the church. You want to dig into the church. Even when you blow it, go further in so God can keep you and strengthen you. Amen. In other words, we need each other. Yes, not to bark at each other, not to condemn each other, but to encourage each other. Anybody here with a raised hand ever blown it before? 
Anybody here that you blew it and somebody came alongside of you and loved you through that situation? That's what we're here to do. The Bible tells us in Galatians that the one who has fallen should be restored gently considering ourselves. It's our job to restore. It's not our, judge, uh, our job to judge or condemn. We need the body of Christ. The Bible tells us also that when there's a temptation, God also gives us the way of escape. How often? Every single time. Say this with me. I have the ability to beat temptation every single time. I want you just to chew on that for a second. So what if I didn't beat temptation? That's because you chose not to beat temptation. Because he will provide, according to Paul's writings, the way of escape with that. So you and I, escaping that temptation, that has moved us in the, in the direction of greater holiness and sanctification and separation, and it's a good thing. And as we have found out, and we'll talk about the end of this month before we head into a new year, um, a deep conviction of the return of the Lord will keep you sanctified and keep you on the right path. Amen. One of the problems we have right now in the body of Christ is people do not expect His coming. I'm going to tell you something. If you really believe He's coming tonight, it's going to affect the way you live. That's right. That's right. Yes. Amen. And our, our forefathers did. The foundational apostles, they didn't expect him to go up and stay up there for a couple thousand years. They expected him back any moment. That's why we have a doctrine about the imminence of, of the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of his return. In other words, he can come at any moment. Let me give you a tip here. Don't get sandbagged and don't get into all the, all the weeds about this and that and the timing of that and the doctrine of that. Just be ready. Yes. That yes. circumvents all the arguments, all yes. the nonsense, all the back and forth. Don't get into somebody's faith, you know, fake book channel or spew tube as Dr. Barkley calls it and get into all that stuff. Just make up your mind. I don't have to know it all, but one thing I'm going to be is ready. Come on, say it. I'm ready. I am ready. I'm ready to go. In the first load. Amen. And it's just an incredible. He that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself. Well, what if somebody doesn't have that white hot expectancy, which is what hope is for the return of the Lord? They live a much looser life. More compromise. Amen. More apathetic to the things of God. You can see it all over the nation. But you know, the Spirit of God is saying about this nation, things are turning. I said things are turning. People are coming back to the house of God. People are coming back to the things of God. Your lost loved ones are coming back to the things of God. They're going to serve God with all their heart in Jesus' name. They're going to be on fire, glory to God. They're going to be excited about the things of God. It's changing. The devil's not going to have this nation. If your perception of spiritual things and the intent of your heavenly father is based on what the media says and what government says, your eyes are on the wrong thing. He never told you to put your eyes on natural leaders. Ever. You live in a system. You live in a country. You live in a place that's, that's blessed. When you compare it to places around the world and our, our, our heritage of foundational covenant making with God and those covenants be reinstituted and reaffirmed by leaders like Washington and Lincoln and even Reagan for that matter. But at the end of the day, the United States is not God. That's true. And no leader in the United States is God. Amen. Amen. We're here for the end time harvest. That's it. And if you don't think you're blessed, consider what Jordan Peterson recently was told in an interview. He said, if you make $32,000 a year you're in the top 1% of wealth in the entire world. Americans are blessed people. Yes. Well, I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Too late. You're already in the 1%. That's it. Amen. And God did it. Yes, he did. Amen. Come on, say, God did it. God did it. I hear you didn't do this for us just to say, well, isn't that wonderful? We're blessed people. No, we're blessed to be a blessing. Said, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You know what that did? That translated into resources to send missionaries all over this world. Do you know that? That this nation is the greatest missionary sending force in the history of the body of Christ. And we're not done yet. Amen. We just want to make sure 
that we keep that as the high priority in our lives. Amen. Glory to God. But look at somebody and say, if you really believe and you really expect and you really hope he's coming back at any time, you're going to think different. You're going to act different. You're going to talk differently. Amen. That's right. Five minutes with anybody and you can tell if they expect Jesus is coming back or not. Just by listening to him. Brother Hagin used to say, I can tell somebody's spiritual level just hanging around him for 30 seconds. By what comes out of their mouth, out of the abundance of the heart. What? The mouth speaks. Amen. We talked about the amazing benefits of being holy. Uh, the small thing of being a part of the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? Come on, shout it out. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. You have a heavenly home. Wonder what it looks like. Amen. I know who the architect is. I know who the general contractor is. Hallelujah. Praise God. You have freedom from guilt and condemnation. Is that a wonderful thing? Yes. You have an increase in the anointing in your life when you live a holy life. Real simple. You want to be more anointed? Raise your hand if you want to be more anointed. Live a more holy life. It's not that complicated. You want to be a vessel unto honor? You cleanse yourself. Not somebody else does it for you. As somebody's judging you and condemning you, you make up your mind that you want to be a vessel unto honor. And if you will cleanse yourself from those things that cause dishonor, you will in fact be a vessel unto honor. When you um, walk in holiness, you'll see that favor and holiness go together. Anybody here like favor? Let me ask that again. Anybody here like favor? God giving you open doors and opportunities. See, with the Lord, you just can't possibly fail if you'll just hang in there. No matter how often you stub your toe or fall down or whatever the case may be, the blessing gives you the power and the favor gives you the open door. And with the favor and the blessing, you're called to succeed. He's given you everything you need to do so. But you'll find this out, that um, God's favor rests on people who live a holy life. I just wonder, you know, I guess we'll figure it out one day. In the Catholic tradition, um, you know, treating Mary as an intercessor is an, is an incorrect belief and an incorrect practice. We don't pray to Mary. Does that make sense? The whole point of having Jesus is we don't need a human being to be a mediator for us. We go straight and boldly to the throne of grace. So, you know, um, she's not a God. She's not to be prayed to. But in the evangelical world, we tend not to give her the honor that is due her. After all, she is what? The natural mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. She's the one that, that carried him. And I just want to know, uh, I mean, how holy must you be to carry the anointed one himself? Well, apparently, despite everything, the Lord must have seen something in her. And when she was told supernaturally what would happen, you know what she said? Be it unto me. Come on, shout that out. Be it unto me. Come on, shout it out. Be it unto me. Be it unto me. me. That needs to be your attitude. That's what real holiness is. Remember that holiness is unpunctuated obedience to God. So she's separated for this purpose and she's like, whatever you want to do with me, I'm yours. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing when you think that she was a teenager. Amen. And we got 30 years right now trying to find themselves. Moving right along. Another sermon for another day. (laughs) Hallelujah. But how much favor rested on her? Scripture speaks the favor of God was heavy on her life. We know that you see the the blessing increase in your life. Um, You go after God and all these things shall come up on you and what? Overtake you. But watch this. What it says in Deuteronomy 28 is if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord our God, right? Then all these things will what? Come upon you. Hearkening means hearing to do. And of course, the voice of God is talking about the word of God itself. So when you hear and do the word of God, you can expect all these things to come upon you. Wouldn't it be great if you had the most blessed year you've ever had? 
especially in the face of all the naysayers and all the negativity. Amen. People get on there and they talk about how this is going to crash and that's going to crash. And if you'll buy my book and buy my, you know, food that never spoils, then you'll be just fine. And if you just peel it back, it's nothing more than a scam. Hallelujah. You don't need to get into somebody's scam. God will take care of you just fine. Amen. All these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. Amen. Now, if you want to buy some food that lasts 20 years, that's up to you. But do yourself a favor. If you do it, do it in faith, not fear. Amen. That's right. <laughs> I'll take a better amen than that. Amen. Um, I guess, Pastor, I'm not going to show you the hoard that I've got in my house. Got a little hole underneath the cellar there. <laughs> no, the Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or a seed begging bread. Amen. When you are living a holy life, you have a greater sense of peace and joy. Why? There's nothing between you and God. Shout this out. Holy living, holy living. is joy-filled living. Do you know that, that, that compromising actually depresses and diminishes your joy level. You cannot walk in compromise and joy at the same time. And how many know you can't fake it? It's either bubbling up in you or it's not. Amen. And last we talked about having confidence in prayer. Say confidence in prayer. When you walk around and compromise, it's hard for you to muster up any kind of semblance of authority and anointing and confidence when you're praying particularly for other people. And how many people out there need us to be ready yes. at the drop of a hat to pray for them? That's right. The real world out there is, is, is just crying for truth. They're crying for the power of God. And you and I know some things. We don't know everything. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm not a know-it-all. Know look at somebody else and say, but I'm a know-a-lotta. <laughs> this generation knows more about the revelation of God than any previous generation. The things that we've been taught, the things that God has exposed, especially even in the last 20, 30 years. Look at somebody and say, we're blessed people. Now, do much is given. Much is required. Amen. So what I wanted to do is just emphasize this again, that uh, we're not supposed to be coming in and out of holiness. Monday, we live holy. Tuesday, we compromise. Wednesday, we have a pretty holy day. And Thursday, we uncork on somebody. Friday, we're doing just fine. This Saturday, we cross some lines morally. No, holiness consistently growing in our separation. Look at somebody say, holy living. Holy. Unpunctuated. And the only way to do this is to have a life that is consistently obedient to the voice of God in our lives. And it starts, of course, I want to, to, to draw this point, and I want to give you the you know, seven ways that, uh, that make it difficult for us, the seven things that make it difficult for us to live an unpunctuated life of holiness. But I want you to say this with me. Holiness and obedience are the same thing. Well, I disobeyed a lot last year. Then you lived a lot last year that you were unholy. I didn't say unrighteous. Boy, it's quiet here in this Presbyterian church. Amen. <laughs> said I've been given the gift of righteousness holiness is not a gift it's a choice say so it will be unpunctuated obedience unto the Lord now there are there are three you know levels uh, or revelation, you might say, of, of the voice of God in your life. And you need to understand this because there'll be a time where uh, you, you just may have to sit on these things and let the Lord minister to you and you get some, some solid counsel on them. But it should be no surprise to anyone in this room that the Word of God is the highest authority of all voices in the universe, period. Amen. It doesn't make any difference what kind of experience you had a vision, a dream, some kind of encounter you think with a spiritual being, you think looked like Jesus, the Word is authoritative. Say it with me, the Word of God, word of God is, is the highest authority, the highest authority in the universe. What does that mean? It means that when the Word of God addresses something, for you to be holy, you have to line up with what it says. And for example, when the Bible tells us, doesn't just suggest it, or request it, but commands you to forgive. 
Is that not what the Word of God teaches? Yes. Forgive as you have been forgiven. forgiven. If you will not forgive your brother or sister from the heart. That's Jesus. So this is how it will be with you. And it's not a pretty picture of Matthew 18 that he talks about a servant being cast out in the outer darkness. No. It's not like I can play around with this. No. You what? You forgive. You forgive. Well, pastor, what they did was absolutely inexcusable. Interesting you would use that language. Because C.S. Lewis said, you should forgive the inexcusable in other people because God forgave the inexcusable in your life. I don't need to take a poll. Don't need to go listen to five different sermons. Don't need to get a new translation of the Bible. They're all going to say the same thing. Forgive. So you made a conscious decision that what so-and-so did or said about you was so egregious I just can't. I just can't. No, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. At least be honest. You're saying, I won't. Amen. That's it. <laughs> Say it, I can. I can. I will. I will. Because that is the highest authority. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now, think about just the common understanding you have about the Word of God and be honest about the degree to which you're actually obeying the principles. And that tells you where you are in terms of a level of holy living. And lots of these things for the religious world are external, but how do you know most of our problems are internal? In our meditation, in our motives and things like that, He cares about all of that. But you're not, not ever going to have a higher authority than the Word of God. Anybody that contradicts the Word of God, you should resist that and stick with the Word of God. Yes. Turn to somebody and tell them again, dance, dance. with the one that brung you. The it's the Word that's bringing you victory. It's the Word that sanctifies. So, you know, um, during COVID, massive numbers of people decided that it's okay to check out a church for 18 months. You know, it's no big deal. And yielding to fear over what God said. Here's the point. If God told us don't forsake the assembly of ourselves as is the manner of some, then fear should not dictate what we do. Right. We should have the confidence in doing what God told us to do. Somehow, some way, everything's going to be all right. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? And not, this wasn't a, a, a social experiment what's been going on four or five years. It was a spiritual experiment on the part of the enemy. To see just how easily God's people have fold their hands and give in. Yeah. Yeah. Have we learned anything? Yeah. I said, have we learned anything? Yes. I said, have we learned anything? Yes. So can you be a holy Christian and not go to church? No. Anybody tells you they can do not understand the Word of God. Holiness equals obedience. I didn't say that you're necessarily going to split hell wide open. You're a horrible person. I'm just saying you are not walking in the holiness God has called you to because you've punctuated your obedience thinking that what you know is better than what God says. And it's not. Amen. Saying, I can forgive. <laughs> I can forgive. I can be faithful in the house of God to the ministry I'm called to. Amen. So those areas that are not specifically covered by Scripture, how many of you know the Spirit of God is there to talk to us? Yes. Anybody here ever been prompted to do something for somebody? Mm -hmm. Give somebody something? Mm -hmm. Call somebody? Mm -hmm. There was no chapter and verse on that. Mm -hmm. Right? No. But there is a Holy Ghost that not only loves you, but loves those people as well. That's right. And what you have to understand is the Holy Ghost himself is not going to speak error, but our perception could be an error. So what I'm saying is the Word of God is the highest authority and what you think you're hearing from the Holy Ghost is secondary to the Word of God. Why? Because it involves not just the voice of God, but it involves the human agent of perception. Do you see this? Now, what you'll find out as you, as you grow in this, you'll see how He deals with you in a patterned form and you'll recognize His voice. And the Word of God tells us that His sheep know His voice. But understand this, he's never going to ask you to do anything that violates the Word of God. That's right. Ever. That's right. Amen. There's one. I'll take another. 
Say, he will never, ever contradict the word of God. Why? Because God is one. Amen. In the weeks to come, we'll talk about the concept of the Holy Trinity and help you understand how God has ordained the manifestation of the Godhead in such a way that it shows you, you know, unity in essence and unity in purpose but manifesting in, in three persons, it's really an amazing concept. And people, without the ability to have revelation on this, have concluded there's just one person, Jesus. Well, Jesus, of course, is real. Yes, he is. To give you an example, um, when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. That makes Jesus the most spectacular ventriloquist in the history of mankind. Because he's able to throw his voice. It takes a lot of faith to believe that stupidity. Or how about in the Garden of Gethsemane? Who's he praying to? Oh, Father, please take this cup away from me. No, please take this cup away. What is that nonsense? You have to really just ignore the Scriptures not to see the manifestation of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost all part of his creation and all part of his ministry today. But when you receive a mandate from the Holy Ghost, first check to make sure it lines up with Scripture. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, you know it didn't come from the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? But understand is, as a per perceiver of that communication, you're not perfect Well, I just don't want to ever do with them because I don't want to make a mistake. I promise you there comes some point in time where you'll feel like God is saying something to you and it's not God at all. It was probably the pizza or the anchovies or something else. And you just repent and you move on. Amen. Are you here tonight? Yeah. What I'm trying to tell you is the Word has the highest authority in terms of your obedience and that, uh, and that concept of holiness where it's unpunctuated obedience but day by day, you're not going to get all your specific orders from the Scripture. The foundation is there. They're going to come from the Holy Ghost. This is how Jesus functioned and how you flowed in the earth and how you and I are called to be the same way. Mm -hmm. Amen. Say so it. Thank God, thank God for, the Holy Ghost. for the Holy Ghost. So say it with me. It's the Word. It's the Word. It's absolutely obeying the Word of God. Number two, it's absolutely obeying what the Holy Ghost is saying, but being mindful that it must line up with the Word of God. Another layer of authority in your life are those that God has given over you that are shepherds over your life and spiritual leaders over your life, but now you have an even more difficult prospect because now you have a person who is a receiver-perceiver plus a communicator, and they're both fallen. They're both imperfect. That's why we have to have the high standard of the Word of God to help us. But give me an example here. If a pastor says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, uh -huh. well, that's just man. No, it's not. It's Word. That's Word God. Amen. Uh, forgive others as you have, as you have been forgiven. Uh, that's just a preacher's sermon. Yeah. You better back up, Jack. Don't get yourself in trouble real fast. Does that make sense to you? Yes. So when it comes to unpunctuated obedience, understand you're going to get it from the Word of God, you're going to get it from the Spirit of God, and you're going to get it from leadership that God in a moment of time is speaking to your heart and be, be uh, courageous enough not to pretend He's not talking to you. Say it, He's talking to me. Come on, say, He is talking to me. And if you're struggling with forgiveness, uh, particularly in your life, uh, Pastor Terry and George Pearsons are doing an outstanding teaching on forgiveness the next couple of weeks. I encourage you to go to KCM and listen to it because it will help you. It will just minister to you. It's not easy, but it is the will of God. Yes, Anybody here with a raised hand ever been hurt severely? Some human being has run you over? Amen. Have you forgiven him? Yes, I've forgiven him, but I'll never forget. You better watch that nonsense talk. Amen. Praise God. Say it. God's Word, the Holy Ghost, and spiritual leadership. So I don't, uh, I don't believe, you know, that the man has anything to say to me. Well, 
if you don't have confidence that people that you're fellowshipping with and the leadership in your church, you need to find a church where you do have confidence in that leadership. That's right. But the problem is when you get like that in your mindset, no matter where you go, you'll be the same of attitude. That's it. It's called being unteachable. Mm. Mm. I'll just gave it to you the way I feel the Holy Spirit you know, giving it to me. Unteachableness is a sign of a lack of holiness. Be what? Teachable. Now I'll give you an example why you've got to be on your toes. There's a man that represents the largest congregation of religious Christians in the history of the world. And this past week came out and said that it's okay for Catholic priests to bless same-sex unions. Now, we believe that you should listen and receive from spiritual ears. In the Catholic tradition... The Pope has even more authority than the Word of God. They see the problem here. What do you do? Do you go with the Pope or do you go with the Word of God? You go with the Word of God. Because you cannot tell somebody they can bless something that God has called sin. He doesn't bless sin. Now look at the compromise. They won't allow them to bless married couples that went down to the courthouse and legalize it somewhere in the world. But if they're living together, they can bless them, thinking that maybe the grace of God will reach them by that blessing. No, the grace of God will reach them by accountability, the same way it'll reach us when we're held accountable. Um, I, I don't know what that fellow's drinking. But I do know that there are, there are bishops and there are cardinals in the United States that absolutely say we will not permit this where we're at. Regardless of what is said in Rome. I mean, there's a storm of brewing in Rome, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if it's over the integrity of the Word of God and, and living the way God told us to live, then that's a good thing. It's just an example where man says something so diametrically opposite to the Word of God, you stick to the Word of God. Yes. We're not going to go on an anti pope crusade. No. Are you here today? I ran across somebody, you know, and uh, had some dealings with them in ministry, and it seemed like every message they had was attacking the Pope and the Catholic Church. I think you should use that time focusing on your own heart. Yes. Yes. Thank you for your enthusiasm of that revelation. <laughs> but it's just to point out to you that, that, that man is not the highest authority. The Word is. And if everybody around you compromises, everybody in your family, everybody in your circle compromises on the Word of God, you stand with the Word of God. To deviate from the Word is to deviate from holiness. And that is the only way you're going to walk fully in the blessing in these end days. So let me give these to you. Hallelujah. That was a 30-minute introduction. But I want you to have the, the context for this. Holiness is unpunctuated obedience to the Lord, His Word, His Spirit, and His leaders. Say it, His Word, His Spirit, and His leaders. And that's why I just gave you that teaching. It's important for you to understand the dynamic. That sometimes your perception with the Holy Ghost is saying is wrong. You got it wrong. And sometimes when you're receiving from man, either one of you can get it wrong. But the Word is the Word. The Bible says it's forever settled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what? My word will not pass away. And that's saying something. So understand that dynamic. You know, God is saying, well, the pastor said his word is as authoritative as the word of God. No, only if I'm speaking the word of God. Does that make sense? Okay. God is good all the time. Yes, he is. He expects you to be good all the time. <laughs> See, we're not quite as enthusiastic about that. Yes, God is good. God is good all the time. Yes, let's, let's shout about it. How about God expects me to be good? Yes. All, all the, time. the time. The reason we study the character of God is not just to say, oh, look at that. We understand the character of God. No, because whatever we understand about the character of God, it tells us that's what he's expecting in us. God is holy all the time. The time. Yes. Say he's holy. He's holy. All the time. All the time. What does he expect of you? Be holy all the 
That's not fair. I'm not God. Well, he expects you to be holy all the time. Say it, unpunctuated holiness. But there's some factors that uh, they interrupt our unbroken obedience and fidelity to the Lord. Write these down. We'll go through these kind of briefly tonight. First one is simply fear. You receive a directive from the Word of God, and here comes the fear. Uh, lots of times that's about um, how people will view us, how people will look at us. Um, Jesus, uh, and, and you know, basically coming as a child, uh, went through a process called self-kenosis where he emptied himself to serve us, to model for us how to live this life, fully God, fully man, but depend on the Holy Spirit for his life and his direction, right? right. Everybody say a good amen. Amen. What does that mean for you and for me? Mm-hmm. That's it. Huh? Right? Yeah. So you're emptying yourself. So if somebody doesn't like you because you're a Christian, who cares? Or maybe you're just too bold. Or maybe you're just too out there for them. All of us have family that think we're out there. Congratulations, you must be doing something right. Now the temptation is for you to tone it down, to try to make them like you, or try to reach them. You never will reach this world trying to be like this world. You will not reach your family trying to dumb down your integrity and your fire for God. You're going to reach them by walking this thing out. So you can't be afraid of what somebody thinks about you. Yeah. You know, Mike, you'll remember this story that um, we were doing uh, soul winning out on the streets, and I was at a Walmart one time, and uh, I was over the toy section, and there was this young man. He looked like he's probably 18, 19 years old, and I felt impressed to go talk to him, and the Spirit of God spoke to me about uh, his, his life and his family, and specifically told me he'd been through a tragedy and lost his parents. Now, um, you better be sure you walk up to a total stranger and said, no, God loves you, and we know you lost your parents, but God loves you and he's all for you. Uh, you better make sure you understand what God's saying to you. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I hadn't arrived then, and I still haven't arrived. <laughs> and we're not talking about 5,000 people knowing if I missed or not. There's just an audience of one here. But watch what God is trying to do. He comes to Murray State to continue his education um, and I go up to minister to him and talk to him. And instead of leaning with what God told me about him, I hemmed and hauled around. And halfway through the conversation, I find out that, in fact, he had lost his parents in an auto accident. And he was now by himself. Now, could you imagine if I walked up to him and just done what the Holy Ghost told me to do? Yeah. Yeah. Don't look with me with that holy tone. That's right. <laughs> Everybody in this room understands that dynamic. And the fear tries to get you. Well, there are lots of ways that fear will knock you out of unpunctuated obedience unto the Lord. Uh, some people go into outright terror mode when they see the bucket going by. You should never be terrified of buying offering. Amen. <laughs> Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. This is the Wednesday night overcomers club. Humor me. Amen. amen. You should be, oh, there goes my opportunity for prosperity. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Everybody say fear. Fear. Jesus made himself of no reputation. And that's the way we've got to be as well. When he tells us to do something, we just do it to make a difference what somebody thinks about us. Number two, finances. When there's a financial cost to our obedience, we'll hem, we'll haul, we'll back up, we'll hesitate. I remember uh, years ago, uh, Brother Copeland talking about this, there was a man in a ministry and things were going really, really bad for him and his family. And, and, uh, Lord's like, I, uh, you know, I want to encourage this, this gentleman. I want to just help him out. And the plane that you have, I want you to sow it into his ministry. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, why do you always come to me with this? <laughs> uh, before you judge a man or a ministry, Close your mouth long enough to find out exactly what that legacy actually is. Yeah. In, in Kenneth's case, he's one of the greatest givers on the planet, regardless of denomination, regardless of whatever. And so he said, uh, well, you're the seventh person I've told to do this. 
six other ministers not walking in holiness. Six who punctuated their obedience. It happens more often than you think. That's not what you want to be this holiday season. Amen? You do not want to be the one that God has to bypass because you won't listen to him. And go find somebody else that he can habitually depend on. Amen. So do what he's told you to do. Don't let money be your Lord. If you're backing away from the will of God because of money, then mammon is your Lord. Jesus is not your Lord. Money is just a tool. Come on, shout it out. Money is just a tool for ministry. But some people worship it. And when it comes down to God telling them to do something that's unusual, they'll balk. Why? They'll let money punctuate their holiness. You see, if you just think holiness is the length of your hair and the sleeve, the length of your dress, you know, and, and whether you drink or smoke or chew, if you limit holiness to that, you're missing the whole point. My dad had a, a very good friend. He just recently passed on. His dad was a Nazarene church planner. And um, he, you know, grew up in that environment. And I guess he saw some things he wasn't interested in being part of a church, but would literally do anything for anybody under any circumstances. This is the kind of guy that he was. And uh, let's just say that uh, he liked his beer. He'd drive by on a, motor, on, a, on a bicycle to my dad's house in Phoenix and say, well, it's, it's beer 30, isn't it? Is it time for a beer, you know? And so I was playing around the golf with him, my dad, and two of his friends one time out there. We got done. I hadn't met him before. And so I just got down up by the clubhouse, and he says, hey, Art, you want a cold one? Speaking to me, not my dad. And I said, no, I'm trying to cut back. And he goes, <laughs> he goes yeah, me too. He never cut back. My dad just looked at him and said, it's funny, but all my kids are teetotalers. That's what he told him that day. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, yeah, I'm trying to cut back too. And the reality is, he, he probably put away that beer. But when it came to being sensitive to the needs of people around him, he would literally at a campground where they had their camper near an uh, in the Indian reservation up there in the White Mountains, he would literally take care of every camper and winterize it for these people. And when their men would die, these older folks, he'd take care of those widows every single time, every single year. You see what I'm saying to you? Holiness is not just the absence of alcohol in your lips. It's Jesus in your heart doing what he tells you to do. Now, I don't recommend you, you imbibing. There's a reason why they call them spirits. Because there are spirits attached to the spirits. And all you have to do is compromise a little bit and you'll find out. You open the door to things you never intended to do. Amen. Amen. Do you know that every time I ever preached on alcohol, somebody walked out the door mad at me? Oh, well. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Just get rid of your spirits. <laughs> What, what spirit do you think is driving you to get mad over spirits? Well, I have liberty. No, what you have is holiness. And when you hear Christians screaming, liberty, liberty instead of holiness, holiness, that tells you a lot about where they're at. Moving right along. I'm not going home with you tonight, so just relax. You know? <laughs> We're not going to do no cover inspections. It's a great example of a matter of conscience that severely hinders our ability to minister. Um, all I can tell you is this, that when the Lord put it to me right after I got born again in Spirit-filled, that I could either be anointed or I could drink, but I couldn't be both. It got real easy, real fast to make that decision. And let me tell you something. I wasn't an angel, as Kelly says, you know, in, in high school in some of those years. I wasn't crazy like a lot of people that I ran with. I was too busy swimming, too busy working to get in a lot of trouble. But I can tell you this. I do, what it, I do know what it is to slide into excess and experience what that's like. I have had highs in God that are more powerful than anything I've ever known in this life. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Yes. And no hangover the next day. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
No doing stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. Amen. I remember we had a senior, you know, they used to have senior skip days. Y'all know what that is? All seniors in high school skip and they go out somewhere and they're out partying. So somebody called a certain place, a little grassy lake out there in Illinois and, and got several kegs out there. And all I can tell you is it's just the grace of God that me and my 67 Mustang got back to where we're supposed to be. I remember one time just literally flying over a hill, you know. I'm telling you what, the grace of God is there even in your stupidity. That's right. But don't test him. I'll take a better amen than that. Amen. All I'm telling you is that it's not just about did you smoke a cigar or a cigarette or, or did you drink a beer? There are a lot of people that are more godly than the people who don't do those things because day by day they don't do a thing God tells them to do. I'm going to go over here for a minute and talk to this group. <laughs> Say it with me. Holiness is not just externals and what you do in terms of your personal behavior. It's more encompassing than that. Don't let money be your God. Number three is the flesh. You just desire something else. God's prompting you, but your flesh goes in a different direction. That's going to be a problem all the days of your life. That's why the Bible tells you to do what with your flesh? Crucify. God wants you to do this. Your flesh wants you to do this. What do you do? You crucify it because the flesh will always try to get you to opt to punctuate your obedience any given day. It is a big factor in whether you actually are walking in the will of God or not. Everybody say the flesh. Um, I, I, I get tickled when people ask you know, people to, to pray they'll be delivered from the flesh. That's not how this works. There is no prayer of delivering you from the flesh. Somebody asked Brother Hagin one time, would you pray that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never want snuff anymore? And would you pray that God will take my snuff? He said, God doesn't want your snuff. <laughs> and would you pray that I'll never be tempted again? He said, okay, Lord, kill him. Wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't want to die. <laughs> no, you have to do it. You have to crucify the flesh. So you have clearly... The voice of the Spirit of God. You got the Word of God. You got what the flesh wants. You have to what? Choose what Spirit of God is saying to you to do instead of yielding to that flesh. It's not complicated, but it is something we have to do consistently. It's a matter of discipline. Number four is falsehood. Believing that you won't make a difference, the person won't receive from you, that person doesn't need that, uh, those kinds of lies will just stop you in your tracks. Let me help you out here. I didn't stop to say tonight, God, what if somebody doesn't like all this teaching on holiness? Maybe I should teach on something else. You know what God's reply would be? I don't care what you think. Are you here? Well, Lord, nobody's going to receive that. I mean, you know, everybody here is already holy. <laughs> They're already as holy as they can be. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You say, does the devil speak to preachers that way all the time? But here's the point. If this was designed for one person tonight to take it and run with it and absolutely turn this city upside down, then that was the assignment and that's why it was there. Because there are people receiving revelation all the time and there are some people you can't drill through the wood and it's neither my problem or my worry if, if they're not drilling through the wood. That's not my job. My job is to share, to teach, and to preach. It's the Holy Spirit's job, amen, to give revelation. And then it's your job whether you, what, either rationalize it away or submit to it. And I would challenge you when you're talking to friends or to relatives or you're doing a Bible study, have the same mindset. It's not your job to figure out who's going to take it, who's going to receive it, who needs it. Sometimes the people look like they got it all together, have nothing together. And sometimes the person that absolutely looks resistant to you is the one that's receiving. That's it. Me and Lexi Moore, her mama attended this church for years. She was here when I was uh, a college student. And she's with Jesus. And I was teaching on James 1 night on a Wednesday night. And I was talking about, you know, don't just amen, but amen with action. And she goes, amen. <laughs> you and I, <laughs> you know, 
It's a decision for us to be receivers. If you're not careful, you'll believe a lie. Nobody at work wants to hear from me. Nobody needs anything. They got it all together. That's just life in the pit of hell. There are all kinds of people who need exactly what you've got. Look at somebody and say, what you've got. They need. Then there's failure. The perception of past failure and obeying him inhibits our current and future obedience. Live long enough in the things of God, you're going to blow it. Aren't you glad we don't stone people anymore? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You're going to step out and you're going to feel like a failure at times, but you should not let that be the determining factor of whether you obey God the next time. If you do that, then you just made failure your Lord instead of Jesus your Lord. Turn to somebody and tell them, failure Failure. will not not define me in my life. How many can raise your hand and say, yeah, you've missed it on a time or two? Just a couple of you? Well, then it's time to repent in it. Amen? Good place for an altar call. Hallelujah. You'd be amazed how many people um, message doesn't go well, Sunday school lesson doesn't go well, the Bible study doesn't go well, they're in a conversation with a friend, and that didn't go well at all, so I'm just never going to do this again. No, you're going to do what God tells you to do. Amen? My first time speaking ever in a religious context was a Chi Alpha meeting. Uh, y'all know where that new Italian restaurant is over there on 15th Street? I'm talking about, that used to be our college ministry house. Long, the anointing is long gone from there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just study, study, study because Mark asked me to share one night, about five or six people there, and I was all ready. I had all kinds of stuff there. And you know how long that message lasted? Three minutes. Five minutes. You heard the story before. <laughs> five minutes. Some of you are thinking, then what on earth has happened to you? <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. About a year or two went by, and then Brother Darrell, our pastor, asked me to speak on a college Sunday, and I did. I speak on you adulterers and adulteresses. How's that for a great message? <laughs> it went on for an hour and 15 minutes. Mark said, well, we broke the five-minute thing, the five-minute barrier in your life, didn't we? <laughs> Everybody's growing. Everybody's a work in progress. Amen. When I was in Hopkinsville, everybody said, everybody said, God bless, God bless Hopkinsville. I'll tell you how people can miss it and they press on. Or silly things or crazy things can happen. But I used to have big boxes of tapes of the messages from Hopkinsville my first five years as a senior pastor. I don't know where they're at. They're gone. <laughs> just, they just disappeared, you know, like. I threw them in the trash. <laughs> I was asked to go to Trenton, Kentucky, um, right over there near Fort Campbell. A friend of mine was a pastor there, and I had to do some uh, some business, you know, for that church in official capacity, and then also speak for him. And I was just trying to teach them a simple principle. Um, and it's not just about emotionalism and just running around and shouting and carrying on, but to, to go out like you learn something, some revelation. And I began to just really wax elephant. <laughs> and I said, uh, you can shout and you can spit, blah, 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 except the problem is those two words did not come out independent of each other. Those two <laughs> words came out as one. Oh, no. And the more I tried to reel it back in, the worse it got. I'll never forget, there's a deacon sitting right there and he's watching me having a ball. <laughs> just having a ball. And he just kind of smiled just like that. <laughs> That'd be bad enough it was just my friend's church, but it was a district function. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly how this played out. So Mike, the pastor, comes up to me, and he says, you know, I, I got to apologize to you. You go, I'm like, you got to apologize to me? You're practically cussing at your people, and you got to apologize to me? <laughs> and he goes... Yeah, you know, this guy said he would come here and run, run the sound system and he would turn the tape deck on and record. And, and Brother Art, they just didn't get the message recorded tonight. And I said, oh, Mike, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. 
I really can't even begin to tell you all the possibilities and temptations to quit through the years because of a sense of resistance or failure or something coming up in terms of warfare of the mind. You know what happens? Holy people don't quit. I said holy people don't quit. You fail a thousand times, but failure is not your Lord. You just get up and do it again because you know what? God will take your humanity. He'll anoint you and something will happen and change somebody's life. Look like over there in Hopkinsville that this big production we were doing, an illustrated sermon on fatal attractions, and we had a bar scene, collapsible tables, and I mean people were just, you know, acting the fool, and we're showing how people get sucked into all this lifestyle, and and God's just trying to reach out and love them. I, we did this. We prayed over this thing. We set this up. People rehearsed this. I preached that message. And one person, just one, say one person, one person came down. And the natural you think, ah, oh, that's a failure. One person came down. That person was Joe Marley who came to college here. Now Joe's the pastor of the church where he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. A pastor has been raised up through what people would say in the natural was a failure. Yeah. Be very careful how you measure things. And certainly don't determine your obedience based on your perception of failure in your life or someone else's lives. And let me say this. Don't you treat other people you perceive as failures and say, I can't receive from them. That's right. Amen. You're going to rob yourself if you do that. That's it. They're imperfect. That's right. That's right. Just like you. Does that make sense? Yes. You're not looking for their humanity to bless you. You're looking for the anointing and the call on their life to bless you. Some of the people in our in our country today, have had serious failures through the years. And I'm telling you what, God is doing more through them than anyone can possibly imagine because they didn't quit. Amen. So don't you quit. And don't quit on other people. Because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I said the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. They're still called, still anointed, still going to do great things for God. I said they're still going to do great things for God. Amen. All the self-righteous people in this world, you find somebody who is humble and repentant. Watch and see what God does with that person's life. Amen. Next, friends. I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about peer pressure. I'm talking about even in the church, there's peer pressure. Don't believe that. Don't hang around those people. Those people are kind of weird. I wouldn't believe that if I were you. And sometimes it's overt. <laughs> um, it wasn't that long ago that uh, I had somebody that was in this church while I was preaching they were up there in the sound booth heckling me and my sister's like you know what I believe it happened last time I was here and I was like well then it's all your fault then. <laughs> well think about this for a minute what kind of spirit engages in that kind of thing does that make sense in other words that's how desperate the enemy is to try to influence us off of our path. That's right. You know what your reaction should be? Bartimaeus, amen? amen. Going to shout out all the more. Going to be faithful all the more, no matter what kind of peer pressure is out there. If somebody wants to say, God no longer does miracles, you say you believe what you want to, but my God is a God of miracles. He's not dead. He's very much alive, and he's about to do things nobody's ever seen before in this nation. Right. Tell you, God didn't prosper his people. Too late. He's already done it. Blame him. <laughs> he doesn't deliver people, set them free, whatever. The secessionists out there want to say, well, these things passed away in the early church. I'm going to tell you what, we need his power more than ever before. Right. Don't succumb to that kind of pressure in your life. But stand up to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, one of our members looked at this person and said, you know what? You may not want to receive anything from the teaching tonight, but those of us here want to receive and hear from God. So would you mind just shutting up? That's how you want to handle peer pressure. That's it. Amen. Say so he's still a healer. Yes, he is. He's still a deliverer. He's still, he's still a savior. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say so I'm a believer. But it's out there. Tone yourself down. Don't get too excited. Don't expect God to move. You know, don't believe in the miracles. You get your hopes up and get you disappointed. No, you don't get your godly hope up and get disappointed. That's the whole point. 
That's what people say about Joel. First of all, he smiles too much. That can't be godly. No, that's right, because all the frowning preachers, that's a much better look. <laughs> all he does is raise people's hopes up. Think about that for a minute. Is that not why he came to this earth? Was to what? Give people hope in him. And I, I can tell you this, that, that one comment across your ears could cause you to withdraw from an influence that God ordained for you. When I was a college student, somebody came across my path, Wesley, and said something derogatory about Brother Copeland when I was like 19 years old. And all that did was cause a resistance in me to receive from somebody who's the greatest giver maybe ever in the modern church. We can learn from everybody if we want to without saying unless somebody is perfect, I can't receive from them. Peer pressure is not just out there in the world. Amen. And last, your feelings. A lot of people punctuate their obedience because of their feelings. Frustrated, hurt, offended, defensive. And they have learned over a lifetime to honor and bow down to how they feel. You would be amazed how many Christians are doing just fine on punctuated obedience and then all of a sudden something happens and all of a sudden the feelings rise up and instead of bowing to the Lord, they bow to how they feel. Yeah. It's a good night tonight to fire your feelings. Say it. They are fired in Jesus' name. James said, be angry and sin not. In other words, feel something, but don't obey it. But I like to obey it. This is likely right. We have trained ourselves to obey what we feel. But say it with me. I can feel something very strongly and then not obey it. In other words, just back up and say, yeah, I feel something, but I have one Lord and it's not anger. I have one Lord and it's not jealousy. I have one Lord and it's not envy. Come on, talk to me, church. I have one Lord. So the goal is just to be aware of these influences because God wants to take us to a place we've never been before. Amen. Glory to God. What if the Lord wants us to preach on Lordship the whole of 2024? Yeah, y'all say that now. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Is it a good thing if Jesus was more of your Lord next year than less of your Lord? There's nothing bad going to happen when you have a Lord, amen, who really is Lord of your life in every area of life. Shout it out. Unpunctuated, Unpunctuated. Obedience, obedience to the Lord. That's the goal. That's really what holiness is all about. Amen. How many will let God move in your life? Amen. Well, you're not going to get there from one Wednesday night message <laughs> or corporate prayer one night. Mm-hmm. You know what it is? <laughs> it's a daily decision. Yes, it is. When you get up tomorrow morning, don't worry about 10 years from now. Just be focused on that moment. You are Lord. And today, I am going to have unpunctuated obedience to you in my words and my thoughts and my actions and my behavior and my responses. I'm going to have unpunctuated obedience to you. And watch and see how much joy you'll have all day long. And then watch and see how fast the enemy will try to test you on that. No, he'll just leave me alone. He likes me. No, he hates you. (laughs) You can receive this tonight. Give him a hand, a hand clap in this place, Thank you, Father.